Tonight on Rogue Padron, the former Wraith 2, the King of the Droids, and 2 for flinching. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. Listeners, welcome to Season 7, Mission 5 of Rogue Padron. Tonight we'll be going over X-Wing Solo Command, almost at Iron Fist, X-Wing Solo Command, <laughs> Chapters 13 through 15. Meg, are you in the wrong book? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why the show notes don't make any sense. But before that, a quick reminder of your hosts. And if Danny, Rogue Six, was a movie theater... He would be a single-screen art house theater that only shows late-night showings of obscure nature documentaries. <laughs> Wait, did, is that a thing? Yeah. Where? It can be. Seattle. <laughs> oh, man. Seattle. I suddenly have a reason to go to Seattle. <laughs> Seth, Rogue Seven, would be the kind of theaters with recliners instead of seats because you never know when she'll need a nap. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I like those cinemas. Heath, Rogue Three, is a movie theater that's also a bar, no kids, and lots of vodka. Yes. <laughs> Sounds about right. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I would be the $3 second-run theaters because I'm not paying $20 for anything besides Star Wars and Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. fair. Very on-brand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, speaking of movie theaters... I have a question that has nothing to do with the movie of Star Wars <laughs> Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Great. Nice. We're going to time travel a little bit because for our listeners, hey, it's Force Friday. Happy Force Friday. Whoa. <laughs> so, Rogue Padron, did you go to a midnight toy store opening last night to get some Star Wars merch? Sure did not. I don't know how to handle this wrong tint thing. <laughs> I I'm not time traveler, Denny. <laughs> you are tonight. I think I did. Seth, what are you I talking about? You're did. always in the future. <laughs> I possibly did. I hadn't made up my mind yet, so I'm not I'm... sure if I did or not. <laughs> okay, okay, you're right. The tense is hard. Yeah, this is absurd. What we're doing? I'm planning to. <laughs> <laughs> this is absurd. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Mark the timestamp when Rogue Pattern officially stopped humoring me. <laughs> we tried our best. Danny. It was right now. Um, I'm I really want to, but the place that is properly doing it that I know of is like a twenty minute drive away. Um, and I don't know if I feel like driving <laughs> at like twelve a.m. or one a.m. Yeah, or whatever. That's a lot. Even of though minutes. the streets would be. That's fair. I don't want to park. I hate parking, but I can't convince my dad to give me a ride at midnight. So it's not mean, thing. That's a little bit fair. Par- parking um, yeah. is, is a pretty important part of driving, as it turns out. Yeah, it really is. But I don't know. It might be worth it for Star Wars. I might. Like, it seems it, like because they're like giveaways and fun things. I'm like, it was really fun two years ago when I went. Yeah. And I also yeah. liked for once in my life being like the first person to get cool things from Star Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I might go. Because otherwise, in New Zealand, we don't really find the toys. Like, they don't really go anywhere. They kind of just disappear, and then we don't get anything. So it's kind of my one chance to grab stuff if I want to as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to do what I did last year. Where Although last year I did it accidentally, but this year now I can plan for it. Where I was sitting at home thinking, I don't really want to go. And then scrolling through Twitter and seeing as I'm in the central time zone in America, all the East Coast folks were uh, going into the stores an hour before I would have and seeing that they all got this awesome free T-shirt. And I was like, actually, it's only like five minutes away. And so then I went and got a free T-shirt and then <laughs> left. So I'll probably do that again this year. I'll wait till 11 and see what the East Coasters are getting at their stores and then decide if I want to go for the freebies. Ooh, Thanks. I wonder if we're going to get cool posters again this year. Oh, yeah, I got a poster with my shirt, too. Where were they doing that? Uh, it was Toys R Us, where I went. Uh-uh. I got a Funko yeah, I... Pop t-shirt and a 
uh, they are, one. Post they are doing shirts again this year. I don't know what they look like or anything though. So might be worth listeners. You might, you might want to have gone last night <laughs> to, to get a free shirt. <laughs> I would have gotten possibly. Some this is a super relevant discussion. So, uh, what what uh, are you all interested in? I was keen on those like titanium black series ships until I found out they're probably not doing those um, this time. So I don't know what I want now. I don't know. I asked on Twitter if that was happening, and one of my like friends who knows heaps about toys was like, um, "Probably not." And so oh. now I'm just not sure what I care oh. about anymore. Nothing. Nothing at all. Um. I haven't really looked. I don't really collect. Um, the last time Force Friday was a thing, uh, well, for, for episode seven, uh, that was a day that I like, was let go of a job on a, from a job. So I think oh. I just ate dumplings and then like ordered one her universe thing on the internet. And that was nice. It. Yeah. And it was the, it was the X-Wing sweatshirt, the, the Black Squadron one. Maybe Star Wars dumplings should be a Force Friday tradition. Oh my gosh, it really should be. Yeah, none of us are really collectors, are we? This is not a good crowd for this conversation. <laughs> no, it's not. But Denny, what are you going to get? I could mm, never imagine I what you want. Uh, I have to say, I, I got a sneak peek at my one of the perks of my new job is that I get to see stuff before it goes out on the shelves. And I saw the Funko Pop Porg, and uh, it was a struggle to get me Funko off the floor. Porg? Of course there's a Funko Pop Porg. Oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, of course there is. <laughs> It was a struggle to get back yeah. up after I fainted, but uh, I did it and finished my shift. Nice. And I'm are really they gonna excited. have? Are they gonna have like figures of those um, first order BB units? Because I really want one of those. There's I don't want the whole Funko, like thing, a Funko of those too. There was I saw I those downstairs Funko. too. They're not small. I want a small one. Oh okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really like. There's probably like spoilers and stuff like with all the stuff on it, but I just. Don't care about toys until I walk into a store and see them. I'm like, oh, these are cool. <laughs> yeah, that's why I want to go again. Um, I'd thought about just like doing shopping online, seeing what I could find that way. But it is cool to just like actually see all of the stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so toys are cool. Toys are fine. But really, the most important reason to celebrate Force Friday is that uh, two years ago... We dropped our first episode of Rogue Potter in the week of Rogue Friday. So, uh, oh. oh my god, happy, uh, happy two year anniversary, y'all! Happy wow. two year anniversary, happy two year Rogue anniversary. That's crazy. Oh my gosh, Can you believe it? I'm gonna get a cake. Yeah, Me so too. listeners, if you need an excuse to eat cake today, now you have it. Oh my gosh, tell happy them that Rogue Potter said it was okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. So glad today's going to be an extra special episode. It won't be, but <laughs> <laughs> we definitely planned for this anniversary. Totally. Oh no! All right. Well, should okay. we get to our extra special episode? Yes. <laughs> let's get. Let's get. Let's do Wait, it. Danny, that's that's not even true. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to. <laughs> I just have to point out that that's not even true. Oh no! What's not even Danny. true? Danny. Our first episode was September 25th, 2015. Oh, well, I mean. <laughs> so we're almost at our two-year. Force Friday was around then, right? It was like September 4th. Okay. We recorded that episode way earlier than usual, though. Did we? <laughs> so, Meg, were we going to talk about some Star Wars books or what? This is a very special episode of Rug Potter already. <laughs> Danny okay. and I are like that old married couple that fight about <laughs> stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, it was Monday. <laughs> I remember it was a Wednesday it. because I had my bridge group in the morning. Oh, you had chicken <laughs> for dinner that night. No, I never have chicken for dinner on Tuesday nights. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. All right. In... Chapter 13, we start off with Laura rushing into the battle with her wingmates against the wraiths and the rogues. I forget. No, against the Millennium Falsehood. I read this so a while ago. special. Baron Fell goes after her, allowing her to take the first strafing run. 
Laura knows that this is a test to prove her loyalty and decides she's going to heck a shoot at the falsehood. When Laura addresses the falsehood as the former Wraith 2, Min pauses at a, a little at a loss of what to do. Then Baron Fell gets on the comm asking General Solo to surrender and Wedge has the same problem. Thankfully, Han replies back to taunt him. We find out eventually that Squeaky doing his best Han impersonation, and it's so good, and even Chewie compliments him, which makes Squeaky very happy. Squeaky is definitely showing some personality in this chapter. I really enjoy it. Squeaky's great. Yeah, he's pretty cute. Min asks Wedge what he should do about Lara, and he instructs Min to disable, not kill. But Squeaky interjects that they should allow Laura to continue firing on them. It's too complicated for him to explain right then, but they need to trust him. Amazing. You know what? Seems fair. You know, you just let her keep shooting. Yeah, it's fine. I appreciate when they say that the logistics of the battle are too complicated to explain because I'm like, <laughs> great, let's move right along then. Let's not explain. <laughs> yeah, right? let's, not explaining is fine too. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally cool. Melvar and Warlord Gabor sit outside the battle zone in the Iron Fist, waiting for Han to bring in the Mon Ramonda. Chewie hits their breakaway maneuver, which involves letting loose a huge piece of debris, as well as Flight Officer Dorset Conair, who I have a crush on now, in her A-wing. Just just cat- now or before too? I every time every time I see her, I re- I'm reminded of how great she is. Gotcha. The captain of the reprisal doesn't do anything about the debris, even though it's in a collision course with it. The shields will be enough to repel it. The false horde, Lara, and Fel keep trading blows, nobody really doing any damage. When Warlord Gabor and Melvar get the information about the status of the reprisal, Warlord Gabor has a bad feeling about this and tells them to blow the debris now. I have to say I'm really grateful that Melvar has become such a regular appearance because <laughs> I had no idea when we gave him the voice that you would have to continue to do it so regularly. <laughs> forever. Yep. Forever. Melvar For forever. Melvar forever. However, the reprisal doesn't get to it in time and the debris impacts its shields. It explodes with a larger force than the shields could stand. Squeaky informs Wedge the race are incoming and then privately scolds Chewbacca about not being told it was a bomb. He's pissed because his di- actions directly led to hurting people and that's against his programming. He doesn't know if he can cope. Oh no. This is this is your stuff right here, Saf. It mm-hmm. is. It is. I like it. I got real into it when that happened. <laughs> Droid is having an existential crisis. <laughs> what if this like breaks his programming? Then he's like, you know what? I can kill now. I've done it once. Oh no. <laughs> Squeaky becomes a murder droid. Oh no. They called me Squeaky one too many times. Oh gosh. <laughs> this is not good. But then he recruits M Trey. <laughs> No, that'd be the worst team up ever. <laughs> Squeaky worst. and M Train Murder Squad. I'm so into it. <laughs> that should be the next Marvel comic series. Yeah. Oh my god, it should be. <laughs> oh, amazing. There are a lot of murder droids in Star Wars. There's a lot. You throw uh, the like seven Chopper rank- and uh, who's the one from Old Republic? HK47 in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, and what's his face from Rogue One? He's totally a murder droid. Oh, K2SO is definitely oh, a murder yeah. droid. Like, Absolutely. He murders people with his sharp wit. Also guns. <laughs> also guns. <laughs> also, also a blaster. And just like, you know, throwing people. But first he cuts them with his words. <laughs> then he cuts them for real. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, the seven wraiths with X-Wings come in and fire our first barrage. <laughs> I'll mute myself. I'm losing it over here. The seven wraiths come, with X-Wings come in and fire the first barrage of proton torpedoes into the group of enemy ties. They easily take out ten of them, but then ties break by groups of two to engage. The wraiths send out a second wave of torpedoes Torpedoes. <laughs> no. Torpedoes. <laughs> <laughs> what if, though? I had to unmute myself from giggling just so I could audibly giggle. <laughs> 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 
torpedoes. Oh no! We just we had too many of them. We needed some artillery. We just. Where do they go? Gosh. Oh my god. Oh, crying. The second wave of torpedoes to hit the reprisal before splitting up to take on the ties. Han is waiting in the Mon Ramonda for Warligabor to jump in with the Iron Fist. There's no other way to keep the falsehood from escaping into hyperspace. Wedge has squeaky Mark Lara as a friendly on the board, but doesn't send any additional information in fear it'll be in- intercepted by Warlord Gabor. It's good timing, Kel was pursuing her and breaks off with Runt. The falsehood shields go down, and their only way to stay out of Fell's guns is to expose their belly to Lara. They do it, and rather than firing on them, she messes up and collides with them and fakes spinning out of control. Too well, like bad Min wasn't there for that. Something I mean, exposing their belly. It's funny. Just oh no, got it, <laughs> buddy, <laughs> buddy. Uh, Warlord Gabor and Melvar are watching the reprisal break apart. There's nothing they can do, and Warlord Gabor admits that he doesn't know how to kill Han Solo. He just can't. He doesn't have the formula. Melvar orders the pilots to go to ground. The ties break away, and Squeaky takes off his human skin mask, which... Wait, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) He really did become a murder droid. (laughs) That was a fast transformation. (laughs) Yikes. So he's he they this is the only time they briefly touch on it, but he's forced to wear like a human mask because if anybody drives by the Falcon, they can't just be like, oh, there's a droid in the pilot seat. So it has to like at least be like, oh, it's a human. That's all right. This was one hundred percent. This was his idea, one hundred percent. It was Mtray's idea. No, I should probably wear a human skin mask. That way, no (laughs) one flying and everyone else is like, oh, I. I have some questions about this. <laughs> <laughs> Whose skin? <laughs> That's an excellent question. <laughs> we don't know. I don't uh, think we'll ever know. Blue Jane. Oh, no. Oh, oh too Eddie. soon. That's savage, Danny. Too soon. I could oh, have yeah. said Tom Fannin. Don't. Oh, oh, Danny. <laughs> Danny. And it's every up time there Squeaky, again. Yeah, every time Squeaky puts it on, he says it's up it's there up again. There again. <laughs> My face would just be crying all of the time. <laughs> he puts on the mask and goes and like wakes face up in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh my god! Have you been it. reading a lot of Stephen King lately, Heath? <laughs> just curious. <laughs> Is that apparent? Mm, I'm, like, I'm super into this human skin mask thing right now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, great. Buddy. Well, uh, so Squeaky keeps his Han voice as he orders Conair to return and the race to form up on him and return to the Mon Ramonda. Lara finally responds to Fel's hails. While he, while she's feigned unconsciousness, she snuck the data pad back into her pocket and covered up all of her alterations. She also bashed her helmet against the side of the tie to give herself accurate signs of injury and dizziness. Nice. Fel escorts her back, and Lara's happy that her plan went off without a hitch. Captain Onoma tells Han they figured out where the Iron Fist was watching the altercation from. Han wants to jump in, but it's already gone. While Captain Onoma feels good about what they've accomplished, Han remarks that failures don't get honored. Way to be like, I know. Fluffy's such a sad sick. Han, Captain Onoma, Wedge, Shala, Face, and Min arrive for a briefing about Lara. Shala is there because of her familiarity with Imperial Protocol. Face because he can tell, because being an actor, he can tell if she's acting or being honest. And Min is there because he knows Lara the best. Does he? It, it seems like a I mean, kind of a questionable reason to get him Duh. into this scene. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, he didn't really know her. <laughs> he knew her better than others, though. I feel like Faith kind of knew her the best, honestly. Faith could tell when she was lying. Oh, you're still shipping it, aren't but they you, were Steph? like 
they were she's like besties. She's shipping it. She's she was like it. his new bestie. Yeah, I'm shipping it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Squeaky informs Wedge that the reason why he said to let her keep firing was that she was hiding bits of data in all of her shots. She'd also decreased the power to her weapons lately so she wouldn't do maximum damage. And this whole scheme was kind of like what Min did, where he used his rifle blast to set off the explosion to cut them out of the tractor beam way back when and like when they were hawk bats. It's don't even worry about it. Squeaky pieces the met together the full message. All right. All right. Let's let's have some tears. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> First, a hiss suggesting a low-quality recording. Then Laura's voice. This is Laura Notzel, transmitting to Wraith Squadron and Mon Ramonda. Donos tensed, knowing that the message was from her hadn't prepared him for actually hearing her voice. He felt almost as though he'd been physically struck. Then he became aware of Shala's gaze on him. Faces, too. They were evaluating him, his reaction. Once, he would have washed all expression away from his face, giving them nothing to read. But he didn't care about that anymore. He'd had three books worth of character development. It hurt to hear (laughs) Lara. It didn't matter if they could see the bleakness of his expression. He closed his eyes to listen more carefully. I was the one who suggested to the warlord that he'd encounter you at Comkin 5. If you did show up there, I hope it's because it's part of your mission plan that you are hoping to engage him. I told him you might also appear at Vahaba. You might want to keep that on your schedule. You should be able to engage him there as well. Donos opened his eyes to glance at Solo and Wedge. They were exchanging a look, and Solo shook his head, a trace of confusion to his expression. I'm working on a plan, now whereby I might be able to transmit you Iron Fist's location, just as we did with the Parasite plan. That mission, in which Wraith Squadron had planted a program in the computer of a new Super Star Destroyer, Razor's Kiss, had led to the new ship automatically sending its location to Solo's fleet. Ultimately, it had resulted in the ship's destruction. If I die, the plan might be able to continue in my absence, so don't just give up on it if someone manages to shoot me down. Attached to this message is the data package showing what I've done, what conclusions I've reached. I hope you can use them. Please tell the race I'm holding faith with them. There was a long pause, the distinct sound of Lara swallowing with difficulty. The rest of this message is for Min Donos. Wedge tapped a key on the terminal and her voice cut off. He looked apologetically at Donos. I'm sorry, I've heard it already, and it does pertain to her state of mind. We're all going to have to hear it. Donos nodded, not trusting himself to speak. Wedge tapped the key again. A little background hiss returned to the air, but Lara didn't speak for several seconds. Then... Men, it's not likely we'll ever see one another again. So I wanted to take this opportunity to say goodbye. Well, more than that, I wanted to explain about what I did. I was fighting a war, the way I'd been trained, and that involved infiltrating the enemy and getting their secrets back to my superiors or sabotaging the data the enemy possessed. There was never a time I saw a file labeled How to Destroy Talon Squadron and thought to myself, oh, that's what I want to do. To me, it was just data about occupied territories and interplanetary borders. Then I infiltrated Race Squadron, just a ploy to make myself more valuable to prospective employers, and things started happening. All the furniture that made up the way I thought I'd felt about things in my life started coming loose in my head. Nowadays, it slides around and breaks into pieces, and I have no idea what parts of it are real and what aren't. There was a waver to her voice now, a suggestion she was having trouble keeping it under control. It hurts, and a lot of the time, I don't know who I am anymore. But I know what I have to do. Whoever I am, I'm staying here like a vibroblade right next to Warlord Gabor's vitals. And when the right time comes, I'm going to stab him deep. That'll probably be the last thing I do. I don't have any friends here except one droid, and I don't have anywhere you are or anywhere else in the galaxy. So when I'm gone, there isn't any there isn't going to be anyone to remember me kindly. So I was just sort of hoping you wouldn't hate me anymore. I really can't stand thinking that's the only way I'll be remembered. There was a long silence. 
the sound of a sniffle. Her voice finally returned, quieter than it had been. I'd wish I'd been someone else to give you the chance you wanted. Lara Notzel out. Donos felt his eyes burning. He put his hand over them. He felt tears under his fingers. Woo! <laughs> Feels... Make it look real emotional. Super yeah, emotional. That was good. That yeah, was good. there were a lot of emotions, but can we also please talk about the metaphor of a vibroblade at World of Forest <laughs> Vitals? <laughs> <laughs> What's, what what do you need to talk about? That I was pretty space. clear. Okay, great. <laughs> Glad good we talk. cleared that up. That's <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. All right. So after that, all of that, let's see. I'll skip where I actually talked about this in the show notes. Here we go. Shala says that Corin was right. Lara is in no way emotionally or mentally stable. However, she's resigned herself to her mission and to death, and that makes her trustworthy, I guess. <laughs> Why not? Sure. That's dark. Yeah, right? Faith says she's a great actress. But the strain in her voice was real, and it makes him want to trust her. Min goes last, not hiding the tears in his eyes. He knows she's telling the truth, because she wouldn't have added the message for him if she wasn't, being honest. If she wanted to trick and manipulate him, she would have said she'd come back. If he wanted her punished, she'd be back to stand trial. And if he wanted her as a lover, she'd be back in his reach. But she said goodbye, leaving him no hope. Han's convinced that whatever, sure. And they are going to work to repair the falsehood. Fine. <laughs> that seems reasonable. Why not? Whatever. Whatever. Wedge, this is your problem. <laughs> They're going to work to repair the falsehood fast enough and hit Vahaba like Laura predicted. Shala and Min are dismissed, but Face is ordered to stay. Han knows that Warlord Gabor is, uh, is not going to risk the Iron Fist. They have to trap them with a gravity well, and that means an inter- interdictor cruiser. They're going to arrange a meeting with Admiral Walrus and Face to see if they can get what they need to take Warlord Gabor down at Vahapa. Tannen is having a great time being the king of droids, in command of hundreds of utility droids aboard the Iron Fist. Some move around on the outside of the hull, others splice into systems, like showing pre-recorded and modified video feed into the security systems watching Laura's room. That was probably the best opening line of any chapter yet in this series. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> My eyebrows just went, what? <laughs> what the about moment Jark? this chapter started, I was just like, yes, finally. Really? Yeah. Was very finally? <laughs> You've been waiting nice. for Tannen to become king of the droids? I've been waiting for a droid to become the ruler of king droids. King of the droids. Not necessarily Tannen, just any droid. Any droid. But I'm happy at Tannen. Tannen will do. Tannen's a sweetie, so Tannen will do. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, have you guys seen Borat? No. Yes. yes. Unfortunately, yes. Wait, what? Oh my god. Meg hasn't seen something and we all have. Wow. <laughs> the first, like, the trashiest movie that's been mentioned on this podcast to date. <laughs> We've all yeah, seen and, it, Meg and Meg hasn't seen it. <laughs> Be thankful, Meg. <laughs> I am. No, it's not like I haven't had the opportunity to. I just did not. <laughs> well, anyway, in Borat, <laughs> there's that scene where he's saying king of the castle, king of the castle. Oh, no. I just kept saying King of the Droid in that exact voice the entire time. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Amazing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Tonin, Tonin has been finished. Meg with, like, the 30-second pause. <laughs> <laughs> I just was letting you get it out of your system, all right? <laughs> Tonin has been very smart about how to use the droids, making sure they do their regular duties before using a code to have them work for him. 
So far, the main computer hasn't noticed anything unusual, and Tannen thinks it's because it's too haughty and thinks maintaining a fleet of mouse droids beneath it. Tannen gets a warning from a guard droid that someone is approaching and unplugs and rolls back into the closet, but it's just Lara. He remarks she was gone for a long time and that giving herself a concussion was probably a bad idea. He says he set up a computer monitor link, but if she uses it, it'll be very easy and fast to detect. He also found an unmapped part of the ship. So not only king of the droids, but also dispensing unwanted medical advice. Good droid. (laughs) I feel like saying maybe you shouldn't have gotten a concussion isn't the worst medical advice. Right, like that's... (laughs) That's pretty good. It's not bad medical advice, but it's clearly unwanted. (laughs) Clearly. Is it? I think it's fine. The unmapped part of the ship is a room with a bunch of beings like Ewoks and Chadra fans held in cages with an operating theater. Lara tells Tonin to have a holocam droid in there permanently and another droid to pick up any data possible. It's important. She goes to get some sleep, saying concussions are rough, and Tana just scolds her, don't do that anymore. Aww, he cares about her so much. What a precious bean. Dr. Tana. so much. So good. <laughs> His He's like the spiritual successor to Dr. Tan Fanon. Uh, don't say things like that. Faces meeting with Admiral Walrus, who says it's impossible to give him an interdictor. At best, he would have lost the cruiser in an accident, and at worst, he'd be found out for collusion and tried for treason. Somewhere in the middle, the New Republic destroys World Lord Gabor and gets all the credit. No thanks. Face explains that they can, pre- can prevent that from happening. They'll escort the Interdictor with two of their own Star Destroyers. If Walrus informs the most trusted members of the bridge crew, no one else will have to know that they aren't Imperial forces. Walrus asks what he's going to get in return for the cruiser, and Face offers a signed and framed holo portrait of boy star Face Lauren. Walrus replies, great, he can sell that for one of Tetran Cowl. <laughs> That's cute. They've got a little banter going there. I, I like them being frenemies. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Face laughs and explains that he's not getting anything in trade because he's not losing anything. Even if the interdictor gets destroyed, he can be sure that two Star Destroyers and many other ships of the New Republic will be as well. They're working together for a mutually beneficial goal. Walrus just has to decide if his answer is the right thing for the Empire or just the right thing for Admiral Walrus. Walrus agrees and they will have their interdictor. Tonin is keeping a close watch on Laura since the whole concussion thing. And even he can tell when her spirits drop when she finds out information about the secret room. It's known as Project Chubar, named after an animated character from a children's show, which unfortunately face voiced. And in her message, Lara asks Wedge not to tell him this. Their goal is to either give non-sapient creatures intelligence or to aliens already sapient um, more intelligence that matches up with humans. Project that seems fine. Yeah, it's totally cool. It's not like they're definitely being, you know, tortured and mistreated and stuff. Yeah. Mm. I'm imagining a Sarlacc with human intelligence now. That is terrifying. They, they have that. It's scary. Genuinely terrifying. It's fine. Project Minefield is the brainwashing project where memories would be falsified and people given phrases to trigger their mutinous acts. Oh, that sounds familiar. Mm. Yes. The conditioning is temporary, the effects usually not lasting for longer than a year. The code phrases are pretty clever. Usually they would each have a particular meaning, and using someone's name would mean do this thing to this person. So if Taldir was told that Tarragon was hopping on one transperistial leg, he would have killed him instead. Darn. <laughs> Snaps. <laughs> Project Funeral, which we've heard of, was using Project Minefield to drive a spike through the New Republic, but it's been completely stopped indefinitely. Laura promises to end the suffering of the beings held captive one way or another. What does that mean, drive a spike through the Republic? You know, but they like when you spike a vampire's heart, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously. Okay. That's what what I I figured. Just wanted to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's definitely what it means. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, let's see. Tannen asks Laura if she's sad. And she says no, but obviously she is. They have droids ready to take down the hyperdrive, but they need to be more stationed to guarantee it being completely disabled. They try to think of a plan to deliver the Iron Fist, and Laura has an idea. Wedge is in his office, reading the routine examination report from the doctors about men. One says he will definitely lose it again, and they have no idea when. The others think he'll be okay, but he's borderline, and the stress of going on missions may be too much. Min comes in for one last check-in with Wedge about this. He asks Wedge if he needs to put his boot up on the table. <laughs> nice job, Min. Good reference. Good, <laughs> good continuity there. <laughs> Wedge asks Min what he wants to do. Ideally, Min wants to be back in his X-Wing, but if he can't have that, he'd like to pilot the falsehood. He says that Wedge needs to be at least back in his X-Wing and that he's only piloting the falsehood out of duty, which Wedge tells him to shut up, you don't know me, but it's true. <laughs> As a last resort, Min will stay in the gunnery port in the falsehood. Wedge then asks Min what he's going to do about Lara. Min says that he'll follow orders. Ideally, he'd like to let her go, but he will shoot her down and even kill her if ordered, but he doesn't know how he will react to that. Seeing Min in front of him, morose, but not hiding his feelings deep down anymore, Wedge goes with his gut and declares him fit for active duty. They'll both be in their X-Wings in the next battle, and Min tries to thank him, but Wedge says to wait until he's done his job to Wedge's standards and proves he just didn't make a mistake. Oh. When the New Republic first gets to Vahaba, there's nothing hiding in the system, and Han is getting antsy. There's a ship hanging out called Stellar's Web, which, oh, all right. And only a few people knew it to be Admiral Wal Walrus's new flagship interdictor. Any messages were sent only, any messages from the Stellar's Web are sent only to Han and not recorded or even read by the comms officer. Suddenly, a pair of X-Wings send in some data, ships matching the standard composition of Warlord 4's strike fleets. Han reinforces the pilots watching, waiting for confirmation to move. Face and Runt are paired up for this recon mission. Runt is 3,000% done with Face's antics of reciting lines from his old holodramas, complete with crappy voice changes. <laughs> Thankfully, they get another reading of ships coming in, including Iron Fist. Runt gets the information back to the Mon Ramonda, which jumps into action. They let the Falsehood go in their secondary location because they won't need them as bait. Han and Chewie are excited about their best chance to take down Warlord Gabor. Lots of pew-pewing is happening here. Yeah. Warlord Gabor, <laughs> Melvar. Good good commentary. That's the, <laughs> that's the type of insightful discussion our listeners are paying big money for right there. <laughs> well, considering they're not paying. <laughs> they're not paying? No. Where does my Gee. weekly Rogue Padron paycheck come from then? Do you um, have one of those? I don't know, but if I so, want one. Yeah, if so, we need to talk. Huh. I thought we were all getting paychecks from the podcast. Is this because you're in charge now and you've been public <laughs> funds? <laughs> oh my god. Did someone say slush fund? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> More like slushy fund. Let's go get slushies. <laughs> Woo! All it is is like right six dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right. Waller Gabor, Melvar, and the would-be captain of the Iron Fist, Velar, run to see about the context jumping out of hyperspace. The New Republic fleet is close, and Waller Gabor orders them to flee. Mm -hmm. Lara asks... Oh, go ahead. Velar? Velar. Velar. Yeah. Velar. So, like Melvar's cousin. Probably. Melvar oh. Velar. <laughs> I'm upset by that very much. <laughs> <laughs> Laura asks a fellow analyst why, and he explains that Warlord Gabor never engages an enemy on a battlefield they've chosen, because they always have more assets than they show. Laura calls up Tonin to disable the hyperdrive, but she stops when she hears they're stuck in a gravity well, and they don't have to reveal themselves just yet. Warlord Gabor dispatches the Red Gauntlet and the Serpent Smile to take out the Interdictor and keeps Blood Gutter with them for protection. I'm sorry, what now? Blood Gutter. 
Borgullet? What a name. Mr. Tangles. Blood gutter. I really wish that Willow Gabor had just gotten a job in like an advertising agency or something. <laughs> what should we name our new product? Blood gutter. <laughs> he would make a great ad executive, wouldn't he? <laughs> no. I'm not going to write that AU. Or like research and development, like product <laughs> naming. Oh, He's in charge of all these focus groups. He's like, okay, but what do you think about blood gutter? Yes. <laughs> I want to call Racist. it the night caller. Yes or yes? <laughs> Big mm, yes. Sir, right. Warlord Gabor, that kind of sounds like a strip club. So yes. Everybody loves strip clubs. Would be his Everybody loves blood gutters. <laughs> it's great. Oh, no. Sir, Warlord Gabor, what is a blood gutter exactly? Blood gutter. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then he's like, this is a blood gutter. And they're like, this is not helping at all. <laughs> also, now we're dead. <laughs> oh no. Borla Gabor also calls for groups two and three to come jump in from their current position. Wedge is leading over 200 starfighters into battle against the Iron Fist with no fighter deployment from Warlord Gabor. The goal is to make a trench, bringing down their shields on top of the hull. After they complete their first run, they're to break their squadrons and take whatever chances they get. Warlord Gabor asks Lara what the snubfighters are doing, and she explains that they are making a run, but they won't do it again, knowing that they'll be the new target. With the way she tells him what to do, she pushes Warlord Gabor's uh, buttons so she knows that she can manipulate him later. Lara has Tonin modify the hyperspace coordinates, so rather than running to their secret rendezvous point, they end up at Salagus. Tonin has to delete Salagas from the star map in order to get them where Laura wants to go, but it's easy enough, and now Warlord Gabor's fleets will meet there. The Red Gauntlet and the Serpent Smile make their way over to the Interdictor. They don't need to destroy it, and they don't have the firepower, they just have to make it flinch and lose its hold. But the Mon Ramonda and other New Republic ships are closing in fast. The ships are exchanging blows when Melvar informs Warlord Gabor that the Interdictor is Stellar's web. He says it can't be, because that's an Imperial ship, but Melvar points out that Warlord Gabor already thought they were colluding against him. He also points out that Admiral Walrus is at the hem, which means Warlord Gabor's captain will flinch before Walrus does. Thankfully, they don't really have to worry about any of that, because the Serpent's Kiss is hit hard, the bridge taken out. Warlord Gabor orders them to lock their current co course and abandon ship, it's a high price to pay, but it'll get the interdictor to break its hold. To avoid a collision, the Stellar's Web breaks away, using its gravity wells to push instead of pull, and heads out to space away from the New Republic ships in Warlord Gabor. Iron Fist is still in the gravity well for another two minutes, where the fighters continue to get through its shields, while the three Mon Cala ships hammer its stern. The New Republic isn't without its own casualties, especially concerning the Y-Wing squadrons. Hobby was also hit with an iron blast, and a seer had to punch out to avoid colliding with Iron Fist. <clears throat> Unfortunately, Warlord Gabor gets away, but the crew of the Red Gauntlet surrendered. Han is feeling desperate, like he'll never be able to beat him. Walrus calms him to say that it's too bad because it was a pretty good plan. When Han asks if he'd do it again, he agrees. Onoma tries to point out that they weakened his force, but Han just knows he'll rebuild and come back. The crew leaves him alone to stew until a holocom message comes through. The Iron Fist drops out of hyperspace long before it's supposed to. They see a star and can't figure out where they are. They're stuck in a gravity well, and when they get reports of the hyperdrive that is in progressive failure, they catch the outgoing holocom message, and it's Lara telling Han where he can find the Iron Fist and how their hyperdrive is disabled. So come on over. Uh-oh. You in Warlord trouble, Laura. No, nah, she's she knows what she's doing. It's fine. Everything's gonna be uh, fine. She knows. She's she's ready. Warlord Gabor orders security to find her and says her death is going to be so horrible it'll give even him nightmares. That was a good awful line. It was, it really was. Like how cheesy, but also like, oh geez. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Warlike Abor orders them to send a comm to whatever ships he has who hasn't already jumped to hyperspace. Any pirates who have ever worked for him, anyone they can pay to fight for them in the second death. For now, they'll find a place to hide and prepare for the fight. Pacey Ensign Gatterwald runs into Lara, who says she's going to deal with an emergency. She warns him to be smart or he's going to die, and then she stuns him with her blaster before ducking into an axis shaft with Tonin. Uh-oh. Not a good day to be pasty. No, nope. I mean, you could have just shot him. That's true. She was very generous. She was very generous to pasty face Ensign. Yeah, most days aren't a good day to be pasty because your name is Pasty Gatterwald. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something that you put on the wall before you put a new paint of coat, coat of paint on it. Yeah. Or to fill in all of the cracks from like when you stick like nails in there and yeah. stuff. <laughs> pasty spackle. <laughs> oh my gosh. Poor Gatterwald. Han wonders if they can trust Laura's message. But Anoma points out that it's his dumb pilots who said she was telling the truth. They get a second message directed only for Wedge or Face, and they come up to, com- to the comm room to hear it. It's a message from Warlord Gabor to General Cargan of the Hawkbats. He's offering them a job if they come to Salagus. It's proof that Laura was telling the truth, and they won't go in as the Hawkbats. It would take an hour to repaint the ties for a chance to get closer to the Iron Fist, and they've already done enough damage anyway. Darn. Yeah, I know. I miss the yep. hawk bats. They're pretty good. They're, they're some fun times. Face remarks that Shallow will be pleased to know her assessment was correct. It was worth the risk to make sure Captain Neckbeard wouldn't report their true identity to Warlord Gabor. It gave them the proof they need, hopefully, to make their last strike. Bum, bum, bum. Which they will do without failure in the last three chapters. And no death whatsoever. With no laws. Everything's going to go according to plan. And don't even mind. And then on the last page, Squeaky kills them all. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. With his human skin (laughs) mask. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's good. Um, Okay. Glad you thought so, Heath. (laughs) Wow, that's rough, buddy. (laughs) Should we do listener questions? We should. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> That's a worried make. Yeah. Uh, last week we asked what other mysterious creatures did Tycho adopt from the animal rescue and what does he do with them? Do we want to go first? Yes. I think that well, Tycho adopted a hippogriff. And he's flying uh, around the galaxy rescuing uh, Alderanians and gathering them up to come to his I'm- commune. I'm real mad. I was going to say a griffin. What? Oh, no. (laughs) Why did we both go there? Because I always want a griffin. I always want griffins. Like, when I play D&D, I always want my character to have a griffin. They never get one. So I was like, I'm going to live vicariously through Tycho getting a griffin and being, like, this glorious golden Alderanian savior on a griffin. But obviously you have the same idea. I guess, since you're a horse person. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm also slightly living up to my stereotype now. To your horse person stereotype? Are there even horses and griffins? There aren't. It's just a horse and no, a lion and an eagle, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, great. So, <laughs> I said... <laughs> Don't add us about griffins, okay? (laughs) They're horses now. So I had Tycho rescue a couple Dianoga. And when he brings them back aboard the Monramanda, Wiz begs to have them instead. And so the next time that Luke Skywalker comes flies with the Rogue Squadron, he hides them in Luke's refresher as a nice little surprise. Oh my god. Oh no. Wonderful. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and in true Heath I... fashion, Heath has answered our <laughs> podcast listener question in visual form. Yeah, I photoshopped Tycho carrying around some porgs. Bless Heath. Bless, Bless porgs. Heath. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the porg sound? 
Richard Dreyfus. What if though? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, porks are space puffins. Celebration. <laughs> porks are space Spoiler. puffins, <laughs> and puffins kind of sound like old men. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. Remind the editor to put the sound of a puffin right here. Ah. Uh. No, not like that. <laughs> no, they sound like this. There Hang on. I that just sounds like George Lucas. <laughs> we, we can just. Oh, wait, you can't you. hear that because it's in my headphones. How do I How do I make it so you can hear it? <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. I'll do this. Ready? <laughs> Is that what a puffin sounds like? <laughs> Danny, that straight up sounds like porn. <laughs> are you playing the wrong thing? <laughs> those, nope, those are puffin sounds. Are you, are you in the right tab? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they sound like. I'm horrified. It's wonderful. (laughs) Ah, nature sure is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Should we go to some listener responses? Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) So anyway, I hope the porgs sound like old men. That's what I was trying to say. Ian Miller said Tycho got a pair of glimmerfish, but Winter was not happy because they quickly became a whole school and they had to buy a river. He also got a manka cat, which was much more appreciated by Winter. Then he added, I may have read dozens of Wikia articles for this question. Oh, cute. I'm glad I'm glad our listeners are going out of their way to learn about Star Wars animals just for us. You're glad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is this is Danny's dream true. News of the Galaxy said he found a rare wild Snoke. Oh jeez. Oh my god. Oh, no. D minus. Do more research on Star Wars wildlife for your next question, <laughs> News of the Galaxy. Wow, Danny. Wow. Yikes. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> we should start calling him overzealous Tom. Overzealous Tom. <laughs> I know I posted a lot for the last listener question, but Tycho rescued a lot of exotic animals, you guys. He's that great. Tycho rescued a gold-crested Minoc, found it loved the taste of Imperial... What does ISD stand for? Imperial Star Destroyer. Imperial Star Destroyer, white paint, and then trained it to gnaw on shield wires. Oh, I love that it's a gold-crested Minoc. Yeah, very specific. Way to research the subspecies. (laughs) <laughs> Tycho, this is still still Tom until I say otherwise. Tom. <laughs> Tycho rescued a scrappy loth cat named Ambrosius. Then he gave it to Meeper Gascon to ride around the Clone Wars veterans' home. Wow. Oh, Meeper Gascon. How has Meeper really Gascon cute. not gotten more <laughs> shoutouts on Rogue Podrin? <laughs> <laughs> Meeper Gascon is absolutely a Rogue Pod esque character. <laughs> oh no. Who was Meeber Gascon? Yeah, thank you, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> He's that little I, like is he a worm? I was gonna go look it up later. He's like that little guy that is in the droids episodes when they're like out oh, in the desert oh, hallucinating. Yeah. Oh my god, that guy. That, that's why I don't man. remember him because I hate him, but this is a yeah. cute answer. That is a cute answer. Those droids episodes were bad. Yeah. <laughs> they were not. I'm still mad about those episodes. Tycho rescued a Gundark whose ears had been ripped off by an insecure insecure Trandoshan who wanted to show oh. off how strong he was. Oh. <laughs> Poor Gundark. Tycho rescued a Dianaga that loved to dance then brought it, bought it tap shoes and a top hat so it could join the New Republic USO. I didn't realize they had feet. Man. <laughs> Oh my god. I thought they were tubes. What just happened to our show notes? (laughs) You don't have to have feet to dance. (laughs) But to wear tap shoes, you do. It it wears one on each side of its body. (laughs) That is not how those work. (laughs) No. (laughs) Sure is not. It defeats the purpose a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Live your dream, Dianaga. (laughs) Live your dream. (laughs) 
Uh, still going with Tom's answers here. Tycho rescued a litter of Kowakian monkey lizard hatchlings who imprinted, imprinted on him, and now he regrets everything. Oh, See, my oh. God. <laughs> He's like, that. that's really funny. That's <laughs> Tycho rescued a sad Salamiri that always wanted to be a Jedi. Oh, oh that's so sad. You could be anything you put your mind to, except that because you repelled the Force. <laughs> Oh, oh no! no! Tycho rescued and then adopted a mated pair of Alderanian sea mice, an auburn male named Akak, and a white female named Winwin. <laughs> I feel like there's something I don't get about this one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we'll find out a new new padron, new order, new Jedi padron. Okay, great. Okay, okay. Exciting. Meg really enjoyed that one, Tom. That was a great one. <laughs> Good work. And then finally from Tom, the last one. Oh yeah, someone didn't really like this one, Tom. <laughs> I, I, I can't read this one without laughing, but we're gonna do it. <laughs> Oh, there's like a giant puffin somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, that was a motorcycle. <laughs> the last thing that Tycho rescued, according to Tom, was a cold and hardened thing. Shriveled and small and hidden away though it was, Tycho rescued Danny's heart. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> Tom, I, I want to give you a glistening body for so many of these other answers so badly, but I just can't now. A cold... Well, I'm giving you one, Tom. So. No, it has to be a unanimous decision. That's how glistening bodies work. That is not how glistening bodies Not work. how it works at all. Anyway, we still have answers to read. Yes. Tom, Tom was not the only one who answered this question this week. <laughs> Amy said that Tycho went to the exotic pet store and got... A Doug for Heath, which is close to a dog. A Porg for Danny, an Ewok for Meg, Aww. and a Space Pony. <laughs> this is just my life now. Then Amy said, yes, I'm pandering. Tycho did this because he loves each of you very much. He also did this shirtless. <laughs> of course. Hard eyes, winky face, eggplant emoji. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Matthew Appleby said Tycho rescued stylish Ewoks who the Empire forced into cosmetology. Oh. Little do the imps know where their hair gel comes from. The blood of their enemies. Maybe oh. that's maybe that's what blood gun, blood gutter is. It's hair gel. It's hair gel. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> now from Warlord Gabor, blood gutter. The hair gel that'll keep your hair jelly uh, gelled. <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish to see where you're going. I'm good at improv. <laughs> <laughs> oh buddy and finally <laughs> dinner leader said Tycho used the rest of his ice hard money to buy giant x-wings for the 12 intelligent rancors he found wait make that 11 piggy is their commander and squad dad oh my god oh. piggy <laughs> leading a squadron of rancors super intelligent rancors Amazing. I'm so into it. And this was not a listener response to this week's question, but a few episodes back on some State of the Squadron, we talked about um, wanting some fic about Finn, Ray, and Poe, like skiing in like an 80s TV special. And oh. News of the Galaxy wrote one and forgot to send it to us until this week. So we'll put that in the show notes for everybody, too. I'm so excited. I'm giving Tom a glistening Bodie. <laughs> I'm taking I it think away. Leader needs one. <laughs> you can't take it away. <laughs> Tom, don't let him do this to you. <laughs> I'm giving I'm giving Mieber Gascon a glistening body. He's had a rough go of it. He deserves a little pick me up. Does he? Does he? I literally have no recollection of 
it's probably better for everybody. We should <laughs> we should do a Rogue Podron live episode commentary of that arc of the Clone Wars. <laughs> oh, no. oh, like no. not even now that I'm seeing him, not even now that you're telling me which episodes he was in and what he did, I don't remember any of it. I blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> anyway, for reals though, dinner leader should get a glistening body because tw- 11 rancors and giant x-wings is amazing that's really good plus yeah. dinner leader wrote a fic that was also news that. of the galaxy oh i get them confused all the time because <laughs> they're both named for not name things yeah yeah well news of the galaxy you also get glistening body for yeah, writing a there fic. you go that's what i meant to say <laughs> all right do we have a question for this week yes yeah. we do it is Exciting. If you were ruler of a fleet of mouse droids, what would you have them do? I also want a week for this one. Yeah, same. I would have them get me snow cones. <laughs> All right. I guess Danny doesn't need them. <laughs> I know exactly what I want from those mouse droids. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Danny. Well, you don't have to go next week. <laughs> do I get a glistening body? No. I don't think we're allowed glistening bodies, are we? No, we are not. Oh. Also, That's no. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, hit us up at Rogue Podron on Twitter to answer this week's question. You can find us at our website, roguepodron.tumblr.com. Email us, roguepodron at gmail.com. And subscribe to us via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes or the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, and Google Play. And we have an iTunes review. That's exciting. Why am I reading this one? Just oh, read it. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> we have a review yeah. from I Yub You Guys. Oh, no, it says I Yub You Guys. Yub. Five stars. Oh, my gosh. I Yub by, You Guys. <laughs> by Sid Sandy Ego. Yep. Nailed it. SD San Diego. I don't know. I don't know what this is. <laughs> I don't know what this is. <laughs> San Diego. Oh, yeah. San Diego. <laughs> I recently started scouring, scouting iTunes for EU pods because I think I read every EU book they wrote and was feeling nostalgic. Found you guys and like glittered pink Bacta or herpes. I just couldn't get rid of you. Is that a compliment? <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it describes us pretty well. I yeah, that's, that's about how it goes. <laughs> the constant snark and millennial gusto drew me in like wedge to a widow or Corin to a narcissistic introspection. This is really good writing. <laughs> yes, this is very good. I think they just searched for keywords from Rogue Podrick and put them all in a review. Yeah, this, this, are, is, this is an automated this is a, review. Yeah, this is actually right. just all of our episode titles copy-pasted back-to-back. <laughs> Danny has, Danny's been planning this for years. <laughs> oh, if only. I'm going to have to do that for a book one of these days. <laughs> I wanted to point out a quick thought on this week's episode. How is everyone cool with keeping a sentient teddy bear as a pet? You know what? That, that's a good question. He was part of the crew. They were going to use him. He was part of the crew. Part of the ship. <laughs> Thank you for the Pirates of the Caribbean reference. You're welcome. I had to get wow, that Wow, that was deep. <laughs> yeah. PSF, I think I'm in love with you. Thank you, SD San Diego. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what your name is. I don't know what your name is. I don't know if this can work, but I can't even say your name. <laughs> first first big obstacle to this <laughs> blooming yeah, relationship I here. I met someone. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Tyria and say, Do you really know me? <laughs> Are you just in love with the idea of me? Just my yes. voice. Correct. <laughs> PPS. Pew pew. pew. This is a good Two more wedges. It was a good review. (laughs) It was a good review. Not just because they sucked up to me, because it was a good review. Because I'm going to use I love you, I yub you in my um, new Valentine's Day cards for next year. Oh my god, yes. I also appreciate that, like, Millennial Gusto is becoming a thing. It is our thing. That appears in all of our reviews. It is our thing. Amazing. (laughs) All right. Well, next time on Rogue Padron will be X-Wing Solo <laughs> Command chapter 16 through the end of the book. Woo! What? Already? Yeah. Right. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off.
Pash out. Pew pew. Pew pew. Pew pew. Pew pew pew. Pew. Oh.